Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. One of my favorite things about Georgia fans is you kind of always know where they're going to be coming from on a particular issue. Like, you can pretty well guess what the response is going to be when there's big news in college football. And most of the time, it kind of centers around, kind of kind of surfaces back towards how is this going to impact UGA recruiting. And obviously, with Georgia having the national footprint that it has now and all the different places it's kind of gone to get elite recruits as of late, plus the fact that the state of Georgia – doesn't show any signs of slowing down as being you know arguably the the hottest hotbed for for recruiting in general there is always going to be you know a potential tie for Georgia when it comes to any you know big college football story it has the potential of impacting UGA somehow some way yesterday was the example of that with Clay Helton being fired as USC coach Trojans are a disaster uh they are a little bit of a mess this has been true there for a while I'm sure uh, JT Daniels probably feels he was lucky to get out when he did you know obviously he went through a lot there with injury and everything else but being on this coast as opposed to that coast uh, I'm sure Daniels feels pretty good about all that now that Helton has been fired but there are a lot of Georgia fans who also realize that hey you know one of the guys that was committed to at USC's 2022 class is a guy that Georgia has gone after as well the defensive lineman edge rusher type Mikhail Williams out of the uh, town of Columbus here in Georgia who is up until now a commitment to the USC Trojans. And Georgia fans, I thought, were very, very predictable. And I mean this in a very good way when it it came to the Helton firing yesterday and kind of how all of this impacts the dogs here. Let me run through a couple of messages I got in like the immediate aftermath of the uh, Helton firing with Georgia fans licking their chops for the possibility this was good news, the 2022 class. Let me run through a couple of these here just for a moment. The uh, first of these coming from Ronnie Hewitt, who says, USC fired Helton. Looks like Mikhail Williams might be a big possibility now, Rodney says to, uh, to me on Twitter about all of that. Not to be outdone, another Georgia fan kind of hops into the uh, discussion on this. Doggone at 12 on Twitter says, Mikhail Williams has entered the chat. Once again, making reference to the defensive lineman, edge rusher out of uh, Columbus, who is uh, currently committed to uh, USC. Another Georgia fan weighing in. Pierce Outlaw calls himself Georgia expat, saying, so is Mikhail Williams back in play now for the dogs? Now, here's the important question and the answer to that important question that uh, Pierce Outlaw brings up on Twitter. The honest truth is, is that Georgia was probably already in it for Williams way before all of this. If anything, it's not one of those things where Helton getting fired helps Georgia with Williams. It's the fact that guys like Williams were still pretty closely tied with Georgia that probably hurt helton and his job status as much as anything else not just the tough losses there on the field and in fact let's go back to august here for a moment when helium uh i should say when williams had a chance to talk to our recruiting insider uh jeff centel and even at that time with williams being publicly pledged to usc there was really no secret being made about the fact that he was still in pretty close contact with George. In fact, let me show you a couple of uh, sentences here from Dog Nation in August. This is Mikhail Williams saying about George. They're still keeping in contact. He says heavy too. I talk to them just about every day. So that was that was Williams in August. You know, before at that time we knew for a fact that Clay Helton was going to get fired. Uh, that's that's Williams saying, listen, I'm still in very close contact. You know, very very intense discussions with uh you with uga there so not a surprise that that george is still very much in it for mikhail williams given the fact that he'd already kind of let it be known that relationship was well pretty strong all the way around the other thing to keep in mind about that story is going back to augustdognation.com mikhail williams the very impressive prospect you know also mentioned the name christian miller miller from cedar grove took a visit to ohio state for their loss to oregon on saturday seems like the buckeyes are still a pretty big factor in his recruitment but at one point in time you know miller was also interested in usc there as well williams told jeff back in august that he and christian miller were going to go to the same school a lot of times this has a tendency to fizzle out over time but for as much as 
the the you know the dissolving of USC could potentially impact Georgia with Mikhail Williams. It has to have a little bit of a factor there with Georgia and Christian Miller, who seemingly has no tie to USC left anymore, and it may truly be down to like an Ohio State Georgia when it comes to all of that. Of course, the other kind of if you're doing like six degrees of seven uh, Kevin Bacon here for a moment, the other tie on all of this too is that um carlton madden the teammate of miller is also getting ready to make his pledge coming up on saturday there as well george is a big factor in all of that so if you're kind of scoring at home here for a moment a lot of these big names that you were kind of left to wonder well is is georgia in the mix here with williams maybe quietly that's been true for a while now that helton is truly out at usc it becomes way harder for the trojans to hold on to uh, Mikhail Williams and all of a sudden Georgia was already a big factor likely made bigger keep your eye on Christian Miller and all this too although I think you have to respect Ohio State even after the loss on Saturday and then you've got uh, Miller's teammate Madden getting ready to make his choice so as we are going through the 2021 season on the field don't forget the twists and turns of the 2022 recruiting class are continuing to evolve and Georgia is for now right where you wanted to be in the thick of all of this more on that in the days ahead let me also say this here in our program coming up before we're done today I have a little bit of a crackpot theory about uh, Georgia that I want to get into it's involving the game this Saturday against South Carolina. This is not a hypothesis that's been peer-reviewed. It's just something I sort of have on my mind. It may be out of left field a little bit, but I'm going to give it to you involving the game on Saturday, what I expect to see from the Bulldogs against the Gamecocks. I'm going to kind of set up my reasons over the course of the next couple of days, exactly why I think that's the case. We'll do that before the show is done here today. For now, though, let me focus in on something I told you yesterday that was going to be the big story for me regarding whatever happens with Georgia in the uh, weeks to come. That while I'm obviously curious about quarterback stuff, the way it's playing out on the field, Stetson Bennett having the record-setting day that he did for Georgia, and you know how Carson Beck factors into all of that. We talked about that a lot over the weekend, and then as a part of yesterday's show too. That while you may be tempted to fix it on the curiosity of this kind of stuff. The thing that matters for Georgia right now and matters more than anything is the health of JT Daniels. Daniels was not healthy enough to play apparently against UAB this past Saturday in a game that would have been his sixth start in a Georgia uniform and ironically his first in a red Georgia uniform which is a little bit of an odd curiosity in all of this but the point here is is that it was not some grand master plan to rest Daniels against UAB. Daniels clearly wanted to play. George would have clearly liked to have had it starting quarterback, and he was not available because of what our G3 confirmed on Friday is the oblique issue that Daniels is dealing with. And to the extent that this lingers, I think it's the kind of thing that Georgia fans ought to be paying very close attention to. So on this show, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia, we are going to do our part to make sure you know of everything that's going on here. First of all, Smart was asked directly about this to begin his press conference yesterday, and Smart says that the news on this is essentially the same as it was on Saturday. Kirby Smart on the current status of starting quarterback JT Daniels. Take a listen. I don't know any more than I knew last time. Chip, he's been in treatment twice, and uh, Ron said he certainly improved. Um, you know, he, he threw the ball Saturday more than he threw the ball uh, all last week. Um, so he was better Saturday than he was the previous days. Um, I know a little more after practice today uh, in terms of his mobility and his ability to move around and, uh, and, and throw the ball. But I know he's been to treatment twice, and the update from Ron is he's definitely improved. So I'm happy to hear about the treatment. I guess I'm happy to hear that he's improving there as well. Although, admittedly, I take a lot of this with a grain of salt, just given the way that all all Georgia players seem to be improving until they're not, if you get what I'm saying. You know, it seems to be positive diagnosis and then backtracking on that. Well, actually, it's it just seems like there's been a lot of that kind of news. And Georgia fans have certainly noticed that, too. But in the case of Daniels, there's one thing in particular that stands out to me as, I don't say confusing, but it's the kind of thing that if you want to listen closer to the words, you know, this to me is the word that matters more than anything else. As I said before, it's great that Daniels is getting treatment and it's great that treatment seems to be helping him. But people who are smarter than me have told me on something like this that actually it's not the treatment that matters most. It's really the rest. That when it comes to a painful thing like an oblique, that ultimately the only thing that's going to really help you on this is the rest. And I've got a, a point to make about that. But to kind of further cement that idea, let me let you hear a little bit more from Kirby Smart essentially making the same point. Here's Kirby again. 
The approach is rest, recovery, and treatment. And uh, we've done the best we can with that. The, the, the biggest thing we've been told is you, you just don't want to aggra aggravate it. Um, he's been dealing with it since he felt it prior to Clemson. He felt like he had a twin, but something happened in the, the Clemson game to fire it back up. We don't know. We've gone back and watched the tape. There, you know, he didn't take a lot of shots, but there was one the first play of the game that he took that it may have it may have uh, made it worse uh, than it was going into the game. But for whatever reason, he woke up Sunday and that's when he really felt it. And it's a really really painful uh, injury um, that it's hard to relieve that pain. Uh, he has to heal and it takes time. Um, but again, he's he's improved with each and every day. So obviously what the unspoken part of that too is the painful nature of the injury also makes throwing the football a little bit difficult. And that's the thing you've got to be concerned about. And as I said before, what smart people have kind of told me is that of the the rest, the recovery, and the whatever else, that really the rest part of this is the most important. So if we agree that, that that's the thing that's going to get Daniels back to health, then you start to wonder – you know, we heard what Warren McClendon and Lad McConkey going back to Wednesday night saying, oh, JT Daniels doing great at practice. But how much are you really able to practice if you have to rest to get this in to give this injury time to heal? In other words, I can't be sure yet this isn't one of those things that's going to kind of last for a little bit unless Daniels is going to be kind of shut down to give himself the chance to get the rest that he needs. And I don't, I don't want to mislead on this. I'm not a medical professional. I don't know anything about this, but you know, for the Georgia fan who went into Saturday's game thinking, uh, no big deal, Daniels is just going to, you know, put his feet up and relax during a game against UAB that doesn't matter for Georgia much anyway, and then just kind of flip the script back and be ready to go the following week. Boy, I don't quite get the sense that's what this is right now. And I'm also not going to kind of paint some gloomy picture of this is going to impact Daniels for the rest of the season and somehow Georgia's doomed because Daniels isn't currently healthy. If I guess we're going to deal with an injury, this is the time to deal with it. The only thing I've been saying, I'm going to continue to say this, is this is not an insignificant storyline. This is the kind of thing that Georgia fans ought to be listening closely every time Smart speaks and also kind of judge the body language and the context clues around all this there as well. Georgia's best chance of having a great season is a healthy JT Daniels. Not just healthy in time for the biggest games, but healthy in time to get in sync and rhythm with his offense so they can be functioning at the highest possible level for those big games. And right now, they're not able to do that. Right now, it certainly seems like JT Daniels is not as healthy as you want your starting quarterback to be. So what does it all mean? Still too early to tell. But this is the kind of thing that deserves your attention. Daniel's health, one way or another, ought to be the forefront thing on your mind as a Georgia fan. And we'll hear from Smart again today and obviously head towards the game against South Carolina on Saturday. At some point in time, you hope to hear some really good news from Smart on the status of his quarterback. But based on what I just heard, I don't think we got that yesterday. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Good to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today, live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. Of course, 945, our first and 15 begins at dognation.com and on the Dog Nation app. Those of you who are checking that out each and every day, thanks so much for helping make that rollout of some new video platforms be incredibly successful. I appreciate that. Those that listen to us on the radio at uh, 960 The Ref, we appreciate you being there as well. And of course, all across the podcast platforms too. There was actually one thing with the podcast I was thinking about from yesterday that I haven't done a good enough job promoting. We're doing so many fun and interesting things right now that sometimes I forget to tell you about a lot of it. So much the same way on our videos for a number of years, we do the R.S. Andrews cool down where we take comments and chat back and forth. We're also doing a special podcast version of that, too. It's content that's different than anything else you hear anywhere else. Much the same way the first and 15 can only be heard during that first and 15 at dognation.com, the Dog Nation app. Our podcast, Cool Down, presented by R.S. Andrews, is only available in the audio form on the podcast. And one of the ways in which we interact with people is when we post the show at dognation.com every single day, there's a comment section at the bottom of the post. A lot of people put their thoughts about Georgia football or their questions in there, and I read those along with some tweets at Dog Nation Daily to me, and that's what the content for our podcast, uh, Cool Down, ends up being. So I just want to make sure that those of you that listen to the show, you listen to the radio, you listen to the podcast via one of the podcast players, something like that, 
Don't forget, you can have your voice heard during the show there as well. It's the very end of the show. It's our podcast, Cool Down, presented by R.S. Andrews. Your chance to weigh in on Georgia football or just ask a question. I love the interaction with there. And for those of you who participate in that each and every day, boy, I really appreciate you doing that there too. Big thanks to my friends at R.S. Andrews for making the Cool Down possible, but also my friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia for making the show possible. And listen, We have some rain in the forecast for the next couple of days, which brings about for some homeowners some anxiety sometimes because when it rains, you see that water creeping into your house. You see evidence of it in your garage, your crawl space, or a lot of times your basement, which can be a pretty unpleasant thing to experience. And of course, sometimes that damage over the course of time can put cracks in your walls or other issues that make you think, hey, something's not quite right with my foundation. I mean, let's face it. Your home is the most important asset you have. It's the structural integrity of your home that helps protect all of that. And the foundation threatens that structural integrity. So listen, if you're if you're dealing with a waterproofing issue, if you're dealing with a foundation issue, if you see evidence that it might be a problem, do not put off getting this seen about. And Turn to my friends and Engineered Solutions of Georgia for the help that you need. They're a solutions-based company. That means they have, an, they have the idea for how to solve the problem that you're facing. Plus, they're proud partners of UGA, make some fun to do business with. We love supporting those who support the dogs. They're also good friends of ours here on Dog Nation Daily, and I really appreciate those of you who've done such a great thing to kind of help take care of the people who help take care of us and give us a chance to put this show out to you each and every day. Really appreciate all of that. They're also very easy to get in touch with. Just give them a call. Simply dial 678-ESOG-NOW. That's 678-ESOG-NOW. That'll get you in touch with Engineered Solutions of Georgia, and they'll solve your foundation and your waterproofing issues. All right, coming up just a little bit, a lot of the stuff we get into off the top of the show, we'll get into more detail with coming up with Connor Riley. Looking forward to doing that today. But before that, let's go around the doghouse. It's uh, presented today by our friends at Georgia's own credit union. And here's where I got to be honest about something. So sometimes there are moments on the show when I have to step up and say, hey, I disagree with a large percentage of my audience about something. I think y'all are wrong. I think I'm right. Obviously, everybody thinks their own opinion is right. And there are some moments when I have to say, listen, I've got to go against the tide of the audience. I think there was a little bit of an example of that yesterday involving some of the stuff with the quarterbacks. There was a huge common opinion being shared about maybe what should have been done at quarterback. I happen to think that it was wrong. Sometimes I just have to say that. However, there are also moments in which, and this is kind of as someone who has a little bit of an ego, this is kind of an unpleasant thing to consider, but oftentimes it is true, where you realize, oh, the audience has been telling me something for a while. Turns out they may have been right. Turns out that maybe I was a little slow in catching up to something that a lot of you have noticed for quite some time. And the particular issue we're discussing here is the Georgia offensive line. And if you want to go back in time here for a moment to the offseason, which we do the show each and every day, that's why we call it Dog Nation Daily. You can't be daily if you're not doing it every day, even during the offseason. So the point here is, um, when we're having the offseason conversation and the common concerns that come up, people talk about the Georgia secondary, people talk about the offensive line. And when it came to the offensive line in particular, I'm not going to say I totally disregarded that as an issue for this team, a potential issue for this team. I obviously recognized the potential for that being a concern, but ultimately I thought that it would likely be rectified in a satisfactory manner. Now, there is still a chance that's true, but in the early going of the season through two games against a great defensive line in Clemson and probably just a good defensive front for UAB, not great, just maybe good, maybe even better than the typical group of five level, but nonetheless a step down from where Clemson was in week one. We have seen some evidence that, yes, this Georgia offensive line is a little bit of a work in progress, and I mean that literally and figuratively. The the, the figurative part of this is the fact that right now Georgia fans are still trying to figure out what they have in the offensive line Matt Luke and Kirby Smart kind of doing some of that and specifically literally the way in which that seems to be taking place is there's the internal discussion seemingly ongoing about which spot Jamari Salyer is going to start at Kirby Smart had some interesting things to say about that yesterday I'll invite you to check out the Dog Nation YouTube page to find out more about that and much the same way that Salyer's versatility is going to end up leading him to play the guard spot or the tackle spot depending on how the young guys emerge their tackle you've also got the ongoing 
debate of Warren Erickson, who was slated to be the starting center, but had to start at guard uh, because of his hand injury and maybe the interior of the Georgia offensive line right now not exactly getting it done. The Georgia running game isn't putting up those high-level stats we're typically used to seeing uh, Georgia running backs put up. It's a little bit of an eye-opening thing as you move into the start of SEC play on Saturday against South Carolina. And a lot of you were telling me during the offseason that you were concerned about this. I probably downplayed it more than I should. Now, I'm not going to sound all kinds of alarms on it now. I think there's plenty of time to get it fixed by the time the season really kicks into high gear with these SEC games coming up. But I just want to acknowledge here for a moment that some of you were telling me on this and some of you have turned out to kind of be right. In fact, Kirby Smart even in very bold, clear language yesterday acknowledged offensive line's got to be better. This is Kirby from yesterday. Uh, but we'll continue to look at those, those starting guys and figure out the best – puzzle pieces to put in the decision won't won't be based just on Warren being a center he's not going to be you know punished because oh I'm the center or Van Prance the center we're gonna put the best five out there um but we we, we got to play better up front and I think those guys would be the first to tell you that uh it's not all about ability some of it's about dependability and uh, we got to do a better job of moving people and being physical up front so that we can open up some stuff in the running game Now, the one theory that I've kind of pushed a few times is that I thought eventually the Georgia running game would benefit from a passing attack that's more potent this year than maybe it's been in the past. And, you know, I think that Saturday's game against South Carolina is actually a fairly interesting proving ground on that because you got to think the Gamecocks coaching staff, they saw Georgia this past weekend light up UAB, a, a UAB defense that just is objectively better than South Carolina's is. It just is. And Georgia, you know, really lit up that passing attack and lit up the scoreboard using the passing attack on Saturday against the Blazers. So now maybe the thing that I've been hoping for actually gets a chance to come true. Maybe on Saturday we do see a defense now that's put into conflict, right? Decision conflict in terms of are you going to throw bodies at the line of scrimmage in the hopes of stopping the run? Do you trust Georgia now enough to throw the football that you've got to be considerate of that? And all of a sudden now you've softened up that box, you know, in in front of those tackles, offensive tackles, where all of a sudden Georgia can now run the ball more effectively. I have assumed that as the Georgia passing attack improved, the Georgia running game would benefit from that. Saturday could be an interesting day to either prove that theory true one way or another, but ahead of all of that, Pretty interesting to hear Smart right there saying, I want this group to start playing better, and they're moving guys around as a way of maybe getting that done. Strong language there from the coach, and definitely the offensive line for the Dogs will be very clearly in the spotlight as the Gamecocks come calling on Saturday. That's Around the Doghouse, presented today by Georgia's own credit union. Of course, one of the things that Georgia's own credit union can do for you is hook you up with one of those Visa Signature or Platinum cards. And the great thing about these cards is they offer an array of features and benefits that are terrific for you. A lot of things that you think about for that comes the convenience of making contactless payments. You love that. But also you get flex rewards that can really be used for about anything. I'm about gift cards or travel. You can even get cash back. You can get merchandise. Plus, as a bonus, you can also get up to $150 when you open a new Visa Signature or Platinum card it's good stuff from my friends at georgia's own credit union of course restrictions do apply so you want to learn more about this for yourself and you want to apply yourself there as well simply go to georgia's own.org for more information on that georgia's own.org all right so as i said before before we're done today i have a little bit of a crackpot theory about what i think may play out for the dogs on saturday beyond what i just talked about and i don't have a ton of evidence but i have a little bit of evidence that i think have the potential to make me correct on this i'll let you judge for yourself before we're done but for now between the white lines the stuff that matters for georgia recruiting on the field everything else let's cover it all with a kroger fresh take with our buddy connor riley right now from athens and across the sec or wherever the recruiting trail may lead here's a dognation.com insider we will say hello to a connor riley as part of a kroger fresh take here on dog nation daily here today and we got a lot we want to try to cover so let's see if we can kind of get going on all of this connor you wrote about this as well at dognation.com the departure of helton as usc coach the inroads that georgia seemingly already had with guys like mikhail williams and i'll add christian miller into this discussion there a little bit although it seems like miller was on his way to eliminating the trojans before the firing of clay helton but one way or another 
I, I guess the way that I'll say it is this. The, the firing of Helton maybe serves as a reminder that things were already kind of heating up for Georgia with some prospects that really matter. I respect Ohio State and the recruitment of Miller, to be sure. But, you know, a lot of Georgia fans spent a lot of the summer wondering, where's Georgia's connection to the big names? Well, I think as these next few weeks, next couple of months play out, I think you are going to see Georgia more closely connected to some of the big names that that you just want to see the dogs involved with when it comes to 2022 class. Yeah, it was always going to be a fight for USC to try, in my opinion, keep Mikhail Williams. And I think once some of those dominoes on the defensive line started falling, you know, uh, Travis Shaw going to North Carolina, Walter Nolan looking like he's probably going to Tennessee if I had to take a stab at that right now. You know, I think that opens up a lot of doors for Christian Miller, who, from what I have heard, has really improved as a player over the past year. And so, you know, the the and I would add on into all that, the bond that those two, Miller and Williams, seem to have with each other, I think sort of work in tandem together. And so the news that Clay Helton was fired, not all that surprising given the – you know, unsatisfaction that the USC fan base seemed to have for Clay Helton. And then after you fall behind 42-13 to a Stanford team, that's quite frankly not that good. Uh, USC, to their credit, made the decision to pull the plug right then and there on Clay Helton. And at least in this recruiting cycle, I think it's going to give really Georgia a chance to to land Mikael Williams. Now, I will point out, Alabama was a very serious threat to, to Williams the first time around, and it's not going to be an easy win, but I think it is one that Georgia is worth pursuing and I think has a chance to really – Get even before the the Helton news drop, but now even more so. I uh, don't pretend to be a scout. Uh, I don't want people to treat me as one, but I did have a chance to be in the same room with Williams uh, a few weeks ago. We were at a banquet together for the Corky Kell Classic, and they were also honoring the AJC Elite 11 there that day. And, you know, there was a vibe that Williams gave off that reminded me a little bit of what I once saw from Trayvon Walker, where he looked really good in street clothes, you know, like, you know, wearing a suit. And with Trayvon Walker, there was this vibe of, wow, he's well put together. A lot of times for like really big guys at the high school level, it's hard to have that really put together vibe because, you know, listen, for a lot of big guys controlling weights, you know, kind of an issue, especially when you're eating nutrition the way that a high school kid typically does. There's a lot more, you know, honey buns and glazed donuts than there sometimes are going to be when you get to the college level. But I thought Mikael Williams in street clothes already looked really good and kind of gave you that same vibe that Trayvon Walker once had like I said I'm not saying that means anything in terms of his evaluation as a player but visually he gets the job done for you just an impossibly long player I yeah think a guy that I think when Trayvon Walker moves on whether it be this season or you know if he stays around for his senior season I think Williams that's sort of the position he projects to play that sort of defensive end not quite a a true outside linebacker but a guy you can leave out there on his own he's going to need to put on a little bit more weight I think Trayvon Walker was a little bit bigger at this point in time in his recruitment than Williams is right now but a guy who once he gets into a college football strength program I think is going to have the ability to add to his frame and really be a big time defensive lineman for Georgia and you know the interesting thing is this this Georgia defensive line is a lot older than you probably think it is and, and there are a lot of guys closer to leaving than you might perhaps think but even I think you look at a guy like Nazir Stackhouse and the way he played on Saturday, I mean, Trey Scott has just done an incredible job developing defensive linemen from all shapes and sizes. He's done good with the five stars like I think Jalen Carter and Trayvon Walker. He's done well with the lesser recruited guys. Obviously, Jordan Davis comes to mind there. But even you know a Nazir Stackhouse, a Warren Brinson, guys who were not huge name recruits on the recruiting end, They've become real players for this Georgia defense. Now, I think Williams and and Walker and Carter, those are the guys that have the potential to be difference makers. So you need them. But they've also done a really good job of mixing in guys that, you know, might not be huge recruits and might not be able to play that first year, maybe like Trayvon Walker did, but guys who over time, Trey Scott has now shown that he can develop those players. We try to do an interactive show around here. That means I give my opinion. Georgia fans give their opinion. We have a tendency to see the world the same way. So there aren't that many moments in which Georgia fans and I are in all that strong of disagreement. Sometimes it does happen. Sometimes I'm right, they're wrong. Sometimes they're right and I'm wrong. And maybe an example of the latter is what's going on the Georgia offensive line, where a lot of Georgia fans were telling me for a while they were pretty concerned about what the offensive line might have in store for 2021. I kind of downplayed it. Now, I think there's still a chance this group is fine by the end of the year. But through two games, admittedly, it's probably a bigger issue than I was certainly hoping that it would be i haven't really seen what i think of as a lot of pass you know protection issues but this is not an elite running game right now and the arrow on that seems to point to the you know still in flux nature of this georgia offensive line with the rotations and the injuries and the still developing young guys 
I have to say there's that there's a going to be a lot of uh, eyeballs on that group on Saturday, and I think with good reason. I'm certainly hoping they show out in that process. I really just hate to do this to UBA, but I told you so. Yeah, you really did. This you, I, you amongst others, and this is and it's not going to be fixed this Saturday. It, this isn't going to be a game three, a game four, a game five fix. This is going to be a fix that I think takes the entire season. And I was encouraged that Kirby Smart did put Broderick Jones out there, though interestingly enough, they never put Broderick Jones in tackle and moved Jamari Sawyer down to guard. Maybe that's because they know what they have in Sawyer as a guard and they want to see what Warren Erickson can do with more snaps. Justin Schaefer can do with more snaps there as they continue to try and build depth there. But, you know, there's two things. One, I, I think this is probably where the loss of Tate Ratledge really hurts you because I think he was probably going to be Georgia's most physical offensive lineman. Yeah. And the word you heard Kirby Smart use multiple times is he wants this group to be more physical. And I think that's certainly an impact that's being felt there. And, I mean, that that's not Broderick Jones' calling card. He's going to be fantastic in pass pro, but the thing he's got to prove to get onto the field is that he is a very physical run blocker. And so that's going to take some time in, in translating that. But two – I can't help but start to think about the impact that Sam Pittman had on this offense and, and specifically the offensive line. Now, you see what they did to Texas and just ran all over them. And there hasn't been, I think, that same level of physicality with this offensive line since Matt Luke has gotten here. Now, it's unfair to put all that on him at this point in time. They had a lot of turnover after that 2019 line where you have three, two guys who were drafted in the first round and then another Solomon Kinley who was starting on Sunday for the Miami Dolphins. So you lose a lot of talent from that offensive line. And then obviously you have the COVID pandemic that sort of impacts your ability to get in there and get these guys up and running. But from what we've seen so far under Matt Luke and this rushing attack, there's just not the same level of physicality I think that was there with Pittman that I think exists now at Arkansas. And so Georgia is trying to find where that might come from. That might mean playing, say, a bigger guard like, say, Xavier Truss in there, which I, I also find a little encouraging. And maybe you play him and, and Jamari Sawyer at your guard positions as a way to up the physicality because you just have more size there on the interior. So here's something I think is very important to add to this discussion. And you can't be a bigger Sam Pittman fan than I am. I am thrilled by what he's doing at Arkansas. And obviously I love his time at Georgia, but there is a little bit of a revisionist history about one thing involving Sam Pittman. I want to give you one stat that proves this. Go back to 2017, Georgia averaged 5.79 yards per rush. 2018, Georgia averaged 5.9 yards per rush. In 2019, Georgia averaged 4.94 yards per rush, which is not a bad number, but it's a yard per rush less in 2019 than it was in 2018-2017. And Georgia still had dominant offensive linemen in 2019. You know, two future first-round picks at the tackle spots, uh, an NFL guy there at the uh, guard spot there as well, just generally speaking, a very good offensive line. But the rushing performance from Georgia in 2019 was starting to erode, and I believe the reason why is because teams became more and more confident in their ability to predict that Georgia was going to call rushing plays. That you know, this idea that the erosion of the Georgia rushing tack is completely you know uh, simultaneous to the arrival of Matt Luke and the departure of uh, of Sam Pittman. Some of this started happening while Pittman was still here. And I don't necessarily blame Pittman for that. I blame the failed offensive game plan of James Coley. But it really brings me to what I'm still hopeful for this season, that the job of this Georgia offensive line can eventually be made easier if Georgia does have a more potent passing attack. And all of a sudden now you are forced to, you know, as a defense be in conflict of, are we playing to stop the run? Are we playing to stop the pass? As I said a moment ago, you know, Georgia last week against what I think of as a pretty good UAB defense torched it through the air. Does that now create a situation where South Carolina has to defend Georgia in a different manner than they otherwise would have? Because I think even after the emergence of JT Daniels a year ago, I'm not quite so sure how much teams really changed the way they were defending Georgia. And I'm not a coach, so I'm, you know, I'm not breaking down the film, won't pretend to be doing that. But just generally speaking, I think teams continue to defend Georgia kind of the same way. My hope is whether it be Stetson Bennett right now or JT Daniels back eventually, that the passing attack is potent enough that teams are now defending Georgia differently, certainly differently than they were than the stack box era of 2019. Yeah, as far as 2019, I think it's hard for five guys to block seven on a consistent basis, yep. which is what the problem was in 2017 or 2019, That's excuse right. me, because there was just there was no respect for the Georgia passing game. That's right. And I think, you know, I, I believe Kirby Smart said this, or maybe I had heard that somebody else mentioned this, why UAB felt the need to challenge Georgia's wide receivers and put them in one-on-one coverage so often when Georgia was good against Clemson running the ball, but I wouldn't say it was a great day. They only had 121 rushing yards. 
you know, I'm going to be interested to see if South Carolina plays a more Clemson-style game plan in, in terms of, you know, in terms of pass coverage, not so much isolating their guys one-on-one against the Georgia wide receivers. Because, you know, while Jermaine Burton looked good and – Aaron Smith, we'll, we'll see what the health update on his. Brock Bowers, at least there are capable athletes there, I think, are now of beating you one-on-one, which I don't know how much you would have said that with that 2019 team. So I'm going to be interested in see sort of the coverage scheme that South Carolina chooses yeah. to employ because if they are a little bit more coverage-heavy than, say, the man-on-man situation that you had seen uh, UAB run with, if Georgia can't run on that South Carolina front, then that's very worrying. But I do think UAB sold out to stop the run, thinking Georgia would be a better rushing team. And because of that, they felt, hey, you've got young receivers. We just don't trust them enough yet to beat us on the outside. And Georgia, you know, Jermaine Burton, Arian Smith, Brock Bowers proved that not to be the case. It's also fair to point out that while South Carolina is one of the worst teams remaining on Georgia's schedule, it is not among the worst defensive lines. Mm-hmm. Gamecocks probably have a little bit of a strength there. It's our Kroger Fresh Take with uh, Connor Riley here today, and of course Kroger, the place to go to get stocked up for all your tailgating needs. I'm talking about the beer that you drink, the food that you eat, the table you know, cloths and plates and napkins and all the supplies that you need for all of that. You can get stocked up for the entire thing right there at your local Kroger. Great savings, great tastes, great options, always well stocked. That's what Kroger provides for you. So check them out today. You go to Kroger.com to find out more. But honestly, just stop by your local Kroger and uh, just, you know, put it on the shopping cart and get ready to go for a a big tailgate on Saturday, whether you're in Athens or around the uh, uh, land of dog nation here get ready for all of that by getting stocked up at kroger that is really good stuff um what is not to me quite as good stuff is the current status of jt daniel i'm not a doctor uh, i won't pretend to be but i'm going to remain concerned about the daniel situation until i get you know actionable, so you with your eyes. Yeah, actual intelligence not to and i'm not quite so sure other than just seeing him back playing again and being healthy i'm not quite so sure what would make me feel okay right now but i think this was undercovered to begin with i think there was this thought of oh it's just uab you can play whoever you want to that was never what was the truth the truth is it's not part of the master plan not to have daniels playing right now um obviously he came back to play in these games you only get 12 of them the regular season georgia wants its starting quarterback right now he's not available this is a pretty big deal and everything that smart says about daniel's health will be very very closely examined certainly by me on this show each and every day at this point do you believe what kirby smart says about the health regarding his players you know listen smart's got i'm going to give you a very long non-answer on this smart classic got, ba answer. smart's <laughs> got his reasons for saying what he says my job though is to communicate with georgia fans and my advice to georgia fans is you should always assume the injury is worse than he's letting on because how many times in a row has that been true? He's going to try to keep things a secret from Shane Beamer. He's got every right to try to do that. But in the process, fans themselves still kind of want to know what's going on. And what I'm telling you is I don't care how well a player supposedly practiced according to some Georgia player or how close a player is according to Smart himself. It's just safer to assume that the actual news is probably – a little more than that i mean and and the daniels thing is just an example of that i don't fault smart for trying to keep information in-house as much as possible in a roundabout way maybe that benefits the program but for the fan who wants to know the real story the real story is almost always worse than it's being led on to be yeah i'm not here to you know argue that kirby smart should be more truthful about injuries you know that's his prerogative and there are obviously benefits to you know not being totally transparent on that matter and on that and on that front but uh, i mean in the past year you know obviously you have the jt daniels where for months and weeks we had heard that he was going to be cleared and then he wasn't mm-hmm. you have kiaris jackson who we told was going to be good to go and has not yet played an offensive snap we were told tyke smith and darnell washington were day-to-day well now it's been a month since those injuries have occurred so when it comes to the injury front i, I think there's enough proof there now to not put a whole lot of weight into what Kirby Smart says. And unfortunately, you know, that means we're doing source reporting and we're getting stuff behind the scenes. And then ultimately, you just have to wait and see what it's going to be like on Saturday. And that can be very frustrating. I think that, in part, the mysteriousness played into why Stetson Bennett kind of got booed unfairly, in my opinion. Although I don't think Saturday. he actually got booed. This is an important point for me. I don't think he got booed. I, I had heard some. Okay. I, um, your hearing must be better than mine because I, I didn't quite have it that way. But go ahead, so, finish your point. It, it, because of that, I, you know, and by the way, there were plenty. Well, there might not have been boo. Well, you may not have heard boos in the stadium. There were some terrible social mess- social media stuff out there that <laughs> that was I can't. Over- yeah, yeah, so that I can't deny. Let's not let's not give everyone a pass here. Right. Um, 
at this point in time, you know, I just don't put a lot of stock into what Kirby Smart has to say about the injury status and the injury situation with JT Daniels going forward. With an oblique injury and the way I follow baseball and what I know about that, it is just a rest-based thing. So if he's taking reps, I guess that means he has enough rest to have been able to go out there and feel comfortable and feel better about playing. I do find it at least a little positive that he dressed out, though maybe that even is gamesmanship by Kirby Smart to try and think, hey, if necessary, maybe we can throw him out there. But you know, the fact that he was out there – you know, he Kirby Smart did clarify he had this injury before Clemson and did not right say it, but I'm pretty sure that first play against Clemson where he got hit and put on his keister, that, that probably re-aggravated the injury there. So we'll see going forward. I don't think it's a long-term injury, but at the same point in time, until we see him back on the field and, quite frankly, looking like the JT Daniels we saw at the end of the 2020 season, not the one we saw against Clemson, I think this this oblique injury is one of concern going forward. So here's my biggest question about it. Maybe you can actually answer the question. Like, I've been told that nothing matters more than rest when it comes to something Mm -hmm. like this. So when is he resting? Because, you uh, you know, we were told last week that he was still practicing and he's sort of getting better. You know, to me, it seems like either he's not actually practicing as much as they're letting on or the 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 practice that he's getting is preventing him from getting the rest that maybe he kind of needs here. And that's probably unfair, but that's the, the, the kind of confusion that I guess that I kind of have on this is if rest truly is the thing that's getting him better because of how painful this can be, not a, it's not a debilitating injury that way like a bone break would be or something like that. It's just painful, mm-hmm. which makes throwing the football hard. And if rest the thing that makes him better, when is he getting the rest other than the fact that he didn't play on Saturday? So this is a little bit based on what Kirby said and a little bit of me doing some guesswork, guesswork and stitching it together, but they said JT woke up on Sunday morning really feeling that injury. So my guess is he didn't practice you mean much. Sunday after, Sunday after the Clemson game. Yeah. Correct. Didn't practice a whole lot that Monday, if at all. Tuesday, they tried to see where he was at. Limited reps from what we know. Wednesday, similarly limited reps, but not a whole lot. We know Kirby Smart told Stetson Bennett that he was starting on Thursday. That leads me to guess they probably didn't have JT Daniels throw it all on Thursday. Obviously, you're not practicing on Friday. They sent him out there just to sort of see where he was at on Saturday. See, hey, how comfortable are you? It's been a few days since you've thrown. And then they shut him down from there. You're not practicing Sunday. And then we'll probably find out more tonight, as Kirby Smart had indicated, you know, what sort of the practice regimen of JT Daniels had been on Monday. And, and so we'll sort of see – and obviously Tuesday as well. And we'll sort of see where that is there. You know, obviously Stetson Bennett played incredible on Saturday. Yeah. And, you know, he's proven that he can beat a ca- an opponent, opponent of South Carolina's caliber before. So I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest if we see uh, Stetson Bennett again on Saturday. I, I guess let me say it this way. I think if I'm a Georgia fan in this case, and it just so happens that I am, I think hearing that Daniels is doing nothing is actually better Better. news than hearing that he's trying to give it a go Mm -hmm. because he's going to get healthier seemingly the more that he rests. And because South Carolina is not very good, um, you know, giving him a chance not to play on Saturday, you have that luxury. I'd like for him to play against Vanderbilt because I think Georgia's going to need him against Arkansas and Auburn. And, you know, therefore it'd be nice to have him, you know, back more in game shape. But hearing that he really is being treated as an injured quarterback going into South Carolina in a roundabout way, if that were true, I'd almost kind of take it as good news because I might be left to say, well, he's getting the rest that he needs in order that maybe he really can feel better in time for what I think is truly a tune-up game on the road at Vanderbilt before two pretty tough SEC games, both at home against Arkansas on the road at Auburn, where you want to be as good as you can possibly be there at that time. Right. That, that's the thing. Now, Stetson Bennett's beaten both of those teams before. Could he do it again? Absolutely. Especially, I think, after what we saw on Saturday. And, and you know, yes, yeah, Stetson Bennett didn't beat Alabama, but no one beat Alabama last right. season. Florida game, he had got he pretty clearly gotten hurt in, and also he didn't play that well in that game. So, again, you know, it, it's encouraging what Georgia has in Stetson Bennett. I think Saturday was a really nice reminder that this guy's a very capable backup and in some cases a very good starter, depending on the team they're playing. And so with JT Daniels, I think, and I agree with you here, this is probably an injury where it's better that Georgia is taking a more cautious approach than necessarily trying to get him out there against the South Carolina team that Georgia is, quite frankly, just much better than. All right, very, very quick here on this. I'm going to talk more about this at the end of the show, but I want to kind of give you a little uh, a chance to respond to this. For a thousand little reasons, I think that Georgia is going to be very motivated on Saturday against South Carolina. In fact, this is kind of my weird theory on this. 
what a lot of people think Georgia's going to do to Vanderbilt, like really punish them from the start because of the cancellation a year ago. I'm not quite so sure how much Georgia really feels that one way or another because it's a different coach now. You mm-hmm. know, plus who really cares about Vanderbilt one way or another? Um, but I think for a number of reasons, the presence of Muschamp on the Georgia staff, um, the fact that you can use 2019 even somewhat illogically as a reason for the Georgia players to be fired up because what happened the last time South Carolina came here, coaches will use it even though so much has changed. And Smart himself downplayed that yesterday. And I think they'll still use that with players. I'm going to get more into the battle for Oscar Delp and how that factors into all this. For a thousand different reasons, I think that Georgia is going to put the pedal to the metal against South Carolina on Saturday. And I think they may beat them by 40 points, not just the 30-plus points they're uh, scheduled by. And last week, I didn't really love Georgia minus the points. I think that Georgia is going to be highly motivated for a very big score against South Carolina. Are you willing to go Georgia is your stone-cold lead pipe block of the century of the week? I mean, listen, I don't know that people should put a whole lot of faith in stock in that based on my picks went last week. I just think this is going to be a highly motivated team on Saturday. Yeah, I don't buy the quote-unquote revenge game factor. Georgia's too good of a team to have a revenge game against a, a, a team that it lost to two years ago. And I found it interesting that South Carolina fans were upset saying that 2019 game was more about Georgia losing it than South Carolina winning it. South Carolina scored one touchdown on that game offensively. They had zero points in the second half. And Jake Fromm threw three interceptions. Rodrigo Blankenship made multiple multiple kicks. How do you watch that game and not just say, yeah, Georgia just absolutely crapped the bed that day? Mm-hmm. So I, I think this Georgia team, you know, you, you thought if there was ever a letdown possibility, it's UAB. You have the emotional win over Clemson. Coming home, you think maybe they're, you know, this team might be reading its own press clippings, yada, yada, yada. They came out in the first 16 minutes and just absolutely put it on the chin yeah. of what I still think is going to be a good UAB team. Mm-hmm. And this South Carolina quarterback situation, look, Zeb Nolan, great story, coming back to his hometown of Athens. You know, Luke Doty coming off a foot injury. I don't know how much you want to play a, a quarterback who is coming off an injury against this Georgia defense. Yep. And Zeb Nolan's a nice story, but I think that story might be coming to its final chapter this weekend against a very salty Georgia defense. I think this Georgia team knows that it's going to have to keep making statements because Alabama is the team that they are comparing. They're not actively comparing themselves to, but everyone else is comparing them to. And so if you're going to give them a statement to make, I think this Georgia team has shown that they're absolutely willing to make that, and I think that's what you're going to see on Saturday. I'll talk more about it in a minute, but just do with it what you will. I think that South Carolina definitely has Georgia's full attention on Mm -hmm. Saturday, and I think you know what that could mean for the game. Connor, I look forward to reading a bunch more from you at dognation.com this week. Thanks for being here as part of a Kroger Fresh Take on Dog Nation Daily today. Yep, as always, it was a pleasure to be here. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. All right, so we'll do more on that Georgia-South Carolina game coming up in a moment. I want to specifically highlight the one recruiting battle that seems to be at the center of all of this as a potential reason why. I don't know. I just think Georgia may have something in store for them on Saturday, and it could be fun to see. Uh, before that, though, SEC Through. Quick message about my friends at Classic City Lager. You know, it's just good cold beer. It comes from Creature Comforts Brewing Company, one of the real signature brands associated with the uh, city of Athens. But you don't have to be in the Classic City to get some Classic City Lager. Wherever you're shopping for your groceries, you can pick up some Classic City Lager. 12 months a year. This is a year-round available beer. Six and 12-pack cans. It tastes great. It's a lager lighter-style beer, which means it's easy to drink. But it's also a craft-style lager, which means there's really, really crisp flavor. And a lot of hard work goes into each and every one of... Um, these cans the brew that's inside there to make sure that it tastes great for you i just love the commitment the folks at uh, creature comforts brewing company have to to making great beer it's a it's a lifestyle for them it's one they love to celebrate uh they're big fans of beer they obviously love the city of athens they want to be good citizens to the city of athens and every time i hang out with them i'm always just very impressed with just kind of the fun they're having you know providing great great uh enjoyment to so many of us who love the classic city lager so make sure you check some of that out today All right, let's bounce through here when it comes to the SEC through for a moment. I guess I'll start outside the SEC a little bit with uh, the firing of Clay Helton as USC coach. And the thing I think you're left to wonder about here is who from the SEC is going to emerge as a potential candidate for this job or who could then be a candidate for another job based on the musical chairs that result in USC hiring a new coach? I guess the one name that you zero in on for a little bit here because this was a rumor of – NFL jobs, New York Jets, things like that. There was a little online chatter related to Dan Mullen yesterday. My guess is is that 
a lot of the stuff that you heard about Mullen interviewing for the NFL and supposedly people within the Florida program unhappy with some of Mullen's behavior a year ago, even the NCAA stuff kind of became something that, that kind of hung around Mullen's neck a little bit. As much as that seemed like it was a really contentious thing, I think for the most part, that was just general haggling over a contract extension. Florida's a kind of a notoriously cheap program. Mullen wanted his extension. He wanted the job security that came with that extension. I mean, obviously, Megan Mullen in the past has talked about not liking living in Florida. So, you know, when you have stuff like that, you know, in your past, there'll always be people who wonder how happy is Dan Mullen really at Florida. But some of the stuff from a year ago or over the course of the last year that seemed like unhappiness between the two parties, the Florida program and Mullen himself, I think was just haggling over contract extension. Mullen got that extension. So my guess is now is you actually probably won't hear much about Mullen, you know, taking a job like this because most of these rumors, when they do emerge, it's generated by the, the uh, coach's agent here. So if you do see Mullen beyond just a random internet rumor, if one of the big name reporters mentions him in connection with a job like this, that would be pretty telling to me because that suggests that something that happened a year ago really does have some legs, really does have some sticking power. But for the most part, a lot of this stuff is just about money. I think Mullen's wrestling match with his employer a year ago was about money, and now that money situation has been rectified. So my guess is you don't see Mullen's name show up here on anything like that for the USC job, but it's, I guess, folks will be paying attention to it. Speaking of Florida, they host Alabama on Saturday. I told you yesterday, it pains me to admit this, but I do believe that Florida has a chance to keep this game close. I don't think they'll beat Alabama, but listen, Alabama was not that impressive against Mercer on Saturday. Now, you can roll your eyes at that and laugh, and Nick Saban certainly kind of took his team to task, but go dive into the stat sheet on that a little bit. Compare, if you want to, Alabama against a 1AA opponent or an FCS opponent, Mercer, to Georgia against a you know FBS bowl team, conference champion, and UAB. Compare those offensive stats from you know the two teams last week. It was not a great game for Alabama against Mercer. This team may be sleepwalking a little bit right now. Offensively, they did not show out particularly well, and obviously the win against Miami is a little bit de- you know devalued based on the, how Miami played against Appalachian State. The point is, for a Florida team that played Alabama close in the SEC championship a year ago, it would not be the strangest thing in the world for them to do the same thing in Gainesville here right now. But the question becomes, is Florida going to make the starting quarterback change that would almost seem to be necessary to give themselves the best chance of winning? I believe right now it's become obvious that Anthony Richardson's a better quarterback than uh, Emory Jones is. But if you're Dan Mullen and you believe this is a change you're eventually going to make, do you run the risk of making the change before the Alabama game, having Richardson not play well against Alabama, and all of a sudden Richardson's confidence is shaken You know, in a game against the Crimson Tide, or maybe Florida fans who've been hard on their quarterbacks before? Think about the relationship that Florida fans once had with Felipe Franks when he was still in Gainesville. You know, it might be one of those things that if you don't actually think you have a chance to beat Alabama, maybe you go with Jones on Saturday and you play Richardson, you hope he plays better than Jones does and kind of emerges as the starter after that, it would be telling, though. If Mullen is confident enough to start Richardson against Alabama, that might lead you to believe that maybe Mullen thinks his team has some chance. But if he trots Emory Jones out there with Richardson waiting in the wings, that's Mullen maybe playing it safe, taking what he has coming to him against Alabama, rebooting the program post-Alabama, maybe with the start of the Anthony Richardson era. I'll also quickly mention this. You remember John Emory Jr., former UGA recruiting target, former UGA commit at LSU, has not done much since being in Baton Rouge. He had a couple nice moments near the end of last year, but for the most part has not done a ton at LSU. Also, he becomes the latest very weird situation for the uh, Tigers. There's a lot of these kinds of things. It was reported yesterday that John Emory Jr. is now ineligible for the season on the basis of being enrolled in the wrong class or something like that. A lot of people were like, you know, what is going on here with LSU? It could be any number of things at any particular time. There's also some reporting as of late that Emory has uh, contracted an agent that has helped former LSU player Christian Fulton in the past deal with a similar eligibility type issue. So there's just a lot of weirdness around LSU. And I don't know how else to say it other than that. For an Orgeron coach team that's having its issues winning games on the field eliminating the off-field drama seems to be almost as big of a problem there too I think Orgeron does stand on pretty shaky ground after a couple of weeks here shakier than I probably imagined that he would not only do you have to start winning games 
you got to just clean up the mess off the field. Whatever's going there, going on here with Emory is just the latest example of that. We'll make that your SEC throw. And here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. So let me turn my attention back to Georgia, South Carolina for a moment. And let me go through the reasons why I think that Georgia is going to really try to put it on South Carolina on Saturday they possibly can. And at the end of this discussion, I'm going to use some help from one of my favorite movies from the 1980s as a way of hopefully cementing this point a little further. Let's let, let's talk for a moment about the recruiting angle on all of this. That obviously the the 2020 2022 recruit that would seem to be at the center of this discussion right now, maybe more than anybody else, is the four-star tight end Oscar Delp from West Forsyth High School here in the suburban Atlanta area. This is a guy that's got ties to South Carolina, and the Gamecocks have made a big push for him. So much so, let's go back to July, SEC Media Days. Shane Beamer, the brand-new South Carolina coach, making his first appearance at SEC Media Days, used his time at the podium. Now, obviously, by rule, head coaches can't mention prospective recruits by name, but they can make vague references towards them. That's something that Smart has done to great effect many times before, and it's fairly obvious that's what Beamer did back in July. Here's a reminder from SEC Media Days. Tight end position, that's a position that's near and dear to me, something that I've coached for the last five years uh, in my career. We are always going to utilize the tight end. Every donor or booster club event that I go to, that's the one question I get asked. Are you going to throw the tight end? We are going to throw to the tight end. We want the premier tight ends in America, and that's the way that we're recruiting right now as well, to go get those guys as well. We've utilized those guys in the past when I've been at Oklahoma, and we will continue to. One of those tight ends is here today and Nick Muse, a fantastic young player, older player for us. And then Jaheim Bell is another one that we have high hopes for as well. But that position will always be a key part of our offense at South Carolina. So the tell from Beamer there was the voice inflection on the we want. He goes, we want. And then he went on to keep talking. There was the we want Delp or the Delp wanted uh, hashtag that South Carolina fans were using a lot over the course of the offseason. The Gamecocks itself kind of pushing this a little bit when it comes to Oscar Dell. So Shane Beamer has used podium time before to make kind of a veiled push in the direction of Oscar Dell. Well, not to be outdone by that was from Kirby Smart from Saturday. Now this audio sounds like it was recorded with like an old what are those old like, you know, record player things with like the big horns. This this the the, the post game audio Saturday left a little something to be desired, but you can still make out what Kirby Smart is saying that if Delp's making his public push for I uh, uh, should say if Beamer's making his public push for Oscar Dell, It certainly seemed like Kirby Smart when talking about the success of Brock Bowers through two games in his career as a Georgia Bulldog was kind of doing something similar in making sure Delp was noticing everything that was going on with UGA right now. This is Kirby from Saturday. You know, we need tight ends like him for the NBA League. We have to have more guys like him. And there's guys out there across the country that we got to get in order to be elite at uh, the tight end position. And he's become a really good weapon. So let me just say this in as clear a language as I possibly can. You think Kirby Smart, going into his six years Georgia coach, is going to let some brand new coach and Shane Beamer get cute during a press conference about how we want tight ends? You think Smart's going to let Beamer do this? I don't care for a second that Beamer used to work for Kirby. I don't care about that at all. I don't think there's any love. I don't, I don't think there's any kind of like affection that uh, makes Kirby any less motivated to do anything other than take what he's after here when it comes to Oscar Delp which means and then when it comes to the game on Saturday between Georgia and South Carolina sometimes you're left to wonder does Georgia really want to run it up here does Georgia really want to want to want to put the pedal to the metal does Georgia really want to come out here and be as aggressive offensively as they can when you've got a comparative you know press conference message to Oscar Delp at least that's what we're going to read it into as with both these coaches making their veiled reference to a four-star recruit especially if that recruits from the state of Georgia you better believe that smart I believe is going to be very interested in making sure that Georgia's the offense that looks good on Saturday which means scoring a lot of points against an overmatched opponent like when I was a kid in the 1980s and the movie I just loved was Karate Kid a lot of you watch the Cobra Kai uh you know series now on like what netflix or youtube whatever it's been on over the years uh but when i was a kid it was just a movie it was the karate kid and the cobra kai dojo those were the bad guys and admittedly i've always had kind of a soft spot for the bad guys in movies like this and i loved the 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 catchphrase that cobra kai kind of built itself around the way in which karate was taught in that dojo i think it's pretty appropriate for georgia on saturday take a brief listen to this what 
Strike first, strike hard, no mercy, sir. I sort of get the impression for Georgia on Saturday, for a lot of reasons. I'm going to get into more of these over the course of the week. But for a lot of reasons, the Oscar Delt part of this included, I sort of get the impression that Georgia may have something for South Carolina on Saturday, and they may be doing it in such a way that gets Oscar Delp to notice. Let me also give a quick shout out to my friends at BetUS here. We'll do our best uh, bets with BetUS coming up later on the week and remind you that when you go to BetUS.com, you can use the promo code DN125. It's letter DN, stands for Dog Nation 125, and get a 125% sign-up bonus on your initial deposit. You're making action on college football games, the NFL, how much fun was Monday Night Football last night, even more fun when you've got action down on the game. The place to do it's the place that's been doing it for more than 25 years, BetUS.com promo code dog nation promo code dn125 get you 125 percent sign up bonus that's dn125 by the way speaking of movie references let's bring the day up uh, speaking of movie references um yesterday we talked about how i thought the georgia uh, uab game kind of took place in georgia football's version of the multiverse kind of an alternate reality separate from the established canon that we're currently a part of it was a world in which georgia has an explosive offense led by stetson bennett and i kind of made the comparison like the captain america thing where it's like for people who don't really follow marvel that closely you're always kind of left to wonder wait why is this guy captain america i thought this other guy was captain america and it seems like the multiverse is sort of the explanation for all of that well in honor of that uh bark a lot on twitter gave me a captain america themed golden shoe submission with jt daniels as superman and uh stetson bennett there as captain america calls them the quarterbacks that are the super dogs i think that's pretty good stuff we'll make bark a lot our golden shoe winner for today and also remind you our gator hater countdown we are now 40 how many days is this? 46 days away from Georgia, Florida. That's going to be a fun one. We'll see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews Podcast Cooldown, of course, presented by R.S. Andrews, which you can find online at rsandrews.com for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. I went very fast on video today. We have, like every now and then, we have a ton of stuff to do. Um, yesterday, we had a pretty long podcast cooldown. It was about 10 minutes long. So today, we're going to be a little shorter so I apologize for that, but I'll try to make it up again tomorrow because we want you to certainly uh, have fun enjoying this segment. And as I mentioned in the regular show today, continue to encourage you, you know, if you listen to the podcast, the radio show via, you know, some other means, if you go to dognation.com and just click in the story, that's where we kind of get the comments from that we read here. So your participation makes it even better. So continued encouragement for you to do just that. Uh, like DC Dog, who asked a pretty you know provocative question he says why is there no comment on the uneven play of special teams especially the kicker while special teams has not been a disaster the uneven performance of Podlesny is a concern how many field goals has he missed in two games is this an indication of Will Muschamp's job as special teams coach or how much they miss Scott Cochran so here's what I believe I believe that field goal kicking in college football is by nature erratic and yes Podlesny's missed a couple and that's you know, certainly concerning obviously if you you know come down to the end of the game with the game online you want your field goal to be able to make a your kicker to be able to make a field goal to be able to win it for you certainly that's what Podlesny did for you in the Cincinnati game a year ago but the problem is is that sometimes when it comes to the to you know college football there is not a lot of year over year carryover with this kind of stuff and so it's not insignificant that Podlesny's missed his kicks but ultimately it's also not very predictable on a day-to-day basis what kickers are going to do. George has been lucky enough to have some good ones. Obviously, Rodrigo was a good one. Podlesny, I think, is a good one right now. But even good kickers miss some kicks. I think the job of the Georgia offense, I'm not trying to be flippant here. I'm being as honest with this as I possibly can be. I think the Georgia offense's job is to avoid field goals. The Georgia offense's job is to get inside the 40 and then turn those scoring opportunities into touchdowns. And if you set yourself up for a field goal, I sort of think you deserve whatever you get there at that point in time because college kickers is a meme for a reason. They are by nature you know, somewhat erratic. It's the same reason why if you gave me my choice in any year of having the best punter, the best kicker, I'll always choose having the best punter. I don't want to see Georgia punt very much either, but when it does, you want to have a good one. And the consistency of punting, year over year game over game with the same guy is just going to be a little bit more consistent a little bit more uh dependable than 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 kickers who have a tendency to miss i mean 
Look at the NFL, for instance, on this. Remember uh, Roberto Aguayo, the Florida State kicker, who might have been a you know argument for like the greatest modern kicker in college football history. He was taken what in the second round by the Bucks, and then they cut him like a year or two later. It's just a weird job. Kicking is not a dependable job. It's the same reason why. And I'm not. This is not a disrespect to Pud Lesney, who I think is a very good kicker, and I think that he's likely to make some kicks for Georgia near the end of the season. But there's a reason why you draft kicker last in your fantasy football league because it's really hard to distinguish one from the other and have one you know, kind of remain at that spot over the course of the long haul. That's not me being flippant. It's just me saying that of all the positions, the least reliable predictions will always be made about your place kickers. It has been noticed. I think you're right to bring it up. I don't think this is a Muschamp factor or a Cochran factor. Um, you know, I think it's just kind of a weird gig. Kicking is just sort of a strange thing. UGA 66 also mentioning that Georgia showcased itself as having what almost seemed like fun while fragmenting a UAB defense. Boy, that's a pretty interesting sentence there. He says, Stetson Bennett, he says, remove Stetson Bennett, what would the outcome have been? UGA defense wins again? Maybe. Certainly not the aerial show he put on. I think he should start against South Carolina as well. This young quarterback has earned his stripes. Let, let him wear them. So here's what I'll say. I mean, there's no denying that JT Daniels is Georgia's starting quarterback, but there's also no denying that Stetson Bennett played really well this past Saturday. My guess is Bennett probably does start against South Carolina this week because I don't get the impression that Daniels is going to be healthy enough yet given what he's dealing with there. And I think the point that you bring up, which I think is probably the most appropriate, is is that, and we said this during the offseason, that you can like obsess over stats and you can get really into all the minutiae related to Georgia football, but sometimes the, the thin slicing of data is the most important thing. Does it just look like they're having fun? And in the case of Saturday, Saturday looked like it was pretty fun. Jermaine Burton catches a long touchdown. Arian Smith catches a long touchdown. Brock Bowers looked like, you know, uh, Tony Gonzalez, you know, playing tight end as well as anybody ever has. Um, it just looked like they were having a good time. And sometimes that's all you really need to know is that Georgia had put on a real entertaining show on Saturday. It was a lot of fun. I think Bennett gets a lot of the credit for that, but I think the byproduct of that also benefits Georgia in future weeks there as well, even when JT Daniels returns. So interesting comments and to kind of sum it all up, I understand the concern about the Georgia kicking situation. You know, we haven't talked much about it on this show because we don't really talk much about the kickers, you know, all that much. But it's clearly obvious that the dogs have missed a couple of field goals and that could hurt you later on in the season. To me, all the more reason why you better punch it in and score a touchdown when you when you can so you don't leave it up to your kicker. And as far as Saturday's game, yeah, it really was fun. It was an entertaining thing. And uh, Bennett, to his credit, was at the forefront of all of that this weekend. So uh, good stuff there. Thanks for being here for our podcast, Cool Down. Make sure you check out R.S. Andrews online at rsandrews.com for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric needs. If your water heater goes out, in many cases, R.S. Andrews can replace it for you the same day. But you have to find them online at rsandrews.com. Y'all have a great, great day. We'll see you back here tomorrow for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. We'll look forward to talking to you then.